Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. All right, welcome everyone to another edition of the B-Side Podcast. I'm Steve King. Alongside me is Matt Luloyan. Matt, welcome to another week. Good morning. It's Monday morning as we're recording it this. Not, it's not sure if it's morning when someone is listening to it, but it's true. Uh, welcome to another week. We can only live in the moment that we live in, Steve. There you go. Well, so get on our page, everybody. Good morning. I feel like that's a Jack Handy, Deep Thoughts with Jack Handy wow. from Saturday Night Live. We have, a, we have a lot to bring you all this morning. We just hit your heart right at the beginning already. So. It's about as profound as the statement, it is what it is. I, love I that hate statement. that. I hate that statement. Okay, unplanned. You you said I love that statement. I said I hate that statement. You said it tongue in cheek because you can't actually I, love. I that don't statement. love that statement. Right, yeah. I think it's a way to say nothing. It's You're a, right. It's, a, it's right. a. It sounds nice. It's a nice way to say nothing. But it's. I say it too. I've said it before. Yeah. But it's where you just don't know how to conclude something, and you're like, it is what it is. There are some people who know me well enough that they know I hate that statement. <laughs> that I just I like I don't. Yeah. Well, now that you've made that public, I'm going to make sure that I, <laughs> I'm going to make sure that I say that. To I, you. I imagine everybody will make that we will. clear to me. That's it how we show is. our love. I, I I respond by just saying, "Is it? Mm. Is it? Is, is it, it what, what it is? is? Okay, it is. Okay. Yeah. Well, welcome to another uh, B side podcast, Matt. We got. We got an issue this week. What's uh, that? We got actual questions. Oh, man. <laughs> so actual questions. We can't just take this wherever we want? <laughs> we can't. Um, we, we, we asked for questions, right? We, we invited yeah. questions. Um, we got you preached, three. We got three. Uh, you preached last uh, yesterday on Acts 21. Yep. And we actually got questions. So Great. Uh, pressure's on us to give some actual answers now, too. Oh, man. But thank you. Truly, thank you to those that submitted questions. Um, always get them in as early as you can so we can really... Yeah. Really respond to them, but for the most part, they came in that way. One uh, came in really at eleven thirty nine a.m. Sunday, which means wow, it was either during okay, or at the very end of the second sermon, right? Uh, second service sermon, or it was someone at the first service that that sent it in, like you know, after they'd already kind of gone home from the first service. Right, but that's, they were on it. That's, that's pretty that's good. Timely. That's pretty good. Yeah, I don't know if we can expect that of everybody. No, but man, that's there you go. Good. There's the there's the new bar. That's everyone. pretty good. Well, before we jump in. Uh, Matt, Acts 21, anything that you would, you preached yesterday, so we, like, we kind of put you in the hot seat a little bit. Um, anything that you'd want to uh, introduce or kind of recap at, at the start before we can get into questions, anything that was on your mind, top of mind, coming out of yesterday's message? So one thing that uh, was on my mind all of last week, but just didn't really have the space, uh, didn't feel like time and space to, to do that in the sermon itself was... Um, you know, even talking about death and talking about being able to endure and walk whatever road it is that the Holy Spirit's led us to walk. Um, I, it, you know, very present on my mind um, was the loss of a friend uh, of many of us at, at Liberty. Uh, Greg Mullins uh, passed away last Tuesday, um, not quite a week ago. Um, and I was actually able to be down in, in Alabama uh, for his funeral on Friday. And so thinking about Greg's last couple months, even last several years, uh, he was a cancer survivor um, before he was in the hospital a couple months ago with COVID and then actually looked like he was going to be leaving the hospital, recovered from that when then a whole other series of medical events happened. Uh, ultimately, he passed away Tuesday. Yeah. So that was on my mind. Um, you know, Paul's, of course, is like uh, a road toward martyrdom where he's going to experience a death specifically for his faith in Jesus, 
not knowing what, you know, imprisonment and afflictions await him, his own death, maybe even in Jerusalem. But as I, you know, thinking about how do we apply that to the, to the life of the average person at Liberty Church and the people that we, that we know and love, uh, it just made me think, um, of Greg and of Allison and Connor. And it made me think, um, how grateful I am, um, for even what I experienced with in, in Greg over the years of just a, a man who sincerely, in spite of doubts and wrestling with hard sayings in scripture, um, he really, he really wrestled to, to discover what is truth and to know truth. And he, and he yeah. did praise God come to find, to find the truth, yeah. Jesus, Jesus being the embodiment of truth. I'm the way, the truth and the life. He found Jesus. So that was on my mind last week. I would have loved to have found a way to incorporate that into even this idea of what is it like to live as, you know, quote unquote, dead man, a dead man walking, knowing that we're, our end is coming sometime. We don't know when or how we know it is coming. How do we walk that road? Well, yeah. Well, that's in in part of the purpose of the B side podcast is to kind of give a little bit of an avenue or an opening for that reflection. um, And for people to ask questions for us to respond and go, just go beyond the message and, you know, the, the time that you give or any one of us have to, to preach a message on a Sunday morning. So appreciate you opening up with that and sharing that thought yeah. and just to kind of get our, our, get our minds focused on the text and on scripture. Um, and even the, there's always greater, greater uh, or more depth to the message For sure. than we're able to even give to on a, on a Sunday morning. So For sure. There's, um, there's a great saying that one of my seminary professors always said that says, um, you know, you end up showing people the fruit of your labor, not the sweat of your labor. So, um, you know, and he, he was mainly referring to like, you know, sometimes it maybe makes sense to quote, you know, to give people like, here's the Greek translation of this word or the Hebrew translation of this word or whatever. Um, for the average person that, you know, would be part of our church, you don't necessarily have to show them all the, the sweat of your labor yeah. that led to like what actually is said on Sunday that you're showing them the fruit of your labor in that. And I think, you know, in a different way that applies to just what also is happening in real life my own life as the preacher and yeah. the lives of actual people in our church that I'm interacting with in a given week. That's also some of the sweat. Um, that's also some of the, the, the unseen realities that actually do really shape, um, a message that yeah. really do shape a sermon. Um, so yeah, so that's some of what, what's there that, uh, didn't make it into the sermon itself, but was definitely yeah. under the, under the surface last yeah. week. Yeah, that's good. Thanks for sharing that. Well, let's jump in. Uh, three questions. Let's start mm-hmm. with the first one here. I'll read it off to us. The first one is is about the assumed new Christians, yep. right? But the Christians in Jerusalem questioning Paul. And even if you want to give a, a give a 10-second summary of that again in sure. this moment when you yep. read the question. But, hey, that can be hard and frustrating. We assumed it was hard and frustrating for Paul. That was kind of part of your message. Yeah. The question really is, but at the same time, uh, we, being any Christian, should be careful of wolves in our midst. We talked about that last week, we Acts 20. Yep. Um, how can we as people be respectful of the elders of a church uh, while still keeping them and all of us on the right path? Yeah, I love that question. It's a really important question. So just a quick summary of Acts 21. <clears throat> Paul gets to Jerusalem finally. The elders and James rejoice in all the work that's happened among the Gentiles. They actually share their own good news. Hey, all these thousands of people who are Jewish have also trusted in Christ, but the big giant, you know, asterisk in that, but they also have heard that you're telling people to disregard the law of Moses. So can you make this public gesture to show them that you're not doing that? You actually observe the law too. You care about that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I equated that to, you know, it, it's, it just be really frustrating for new Christians to question the faithfulness of a person like Paul, who's right. like 
you know, what's he been doing with his life for two decades now, uh, at great cost to himself, suffering everywhere, shows up there, you know, and then James, even the leader of the church says, uh, hey, you know, I know this isn't true, but like, do this, please, for right. their sake. Um, so hard and frustrating. This person's asking this great question. At the same time, we got to be careful of wolves in our midst. So, yeah, I think really the way forward in this is for if everyone involved is pursuing humility in their approach, there's a real there's a real beauty to the way that plays out in community. So what does humility from a new Christian look like? Or I used the example yesterday of like a first year Bible college student or seminary student, like all of a sudden putting different lenses on their church and all of a sudden going like, man, everything here is wrong and we're just unfaithful here. And the leaders here even love Jesus. I say that because like my, my own experience of going to seminary, like I had a real uncharitable perspective to some of the leaders in my church. I ended up going back actually a year and a half into planting Liberty had the opportunity at my sister's wedding to go back and talk to my, my pastor who was my boss at my church in Kansas city and say, Hey, I apologize for the way I brought a lot of things. Mm -hmm. It had an edge to it. Um, I didn't, I never got to the point where I thought like, you know, people didn't love Jesus there, but I just had like a, just an edge to my approach that, and and so much of it was naive in not understanding the the actual pressures of that role of being a, a lead pastor. And then a year and a half in, I went, I kind of get it now. Sure. Yep. <laughs> so I went, I went back and apologized to him for that. So humility from new Christians, I think is to not make assumptions and to ask like good questions, like ask the leaders, ask the elders, you know, this person's asking, how do we make sure we also keep our elders accountable and on the right chat, on the right path, the right track. I think, Humility looks like not making assumptions, but asking questions as to why something's done a certain way, um, rather than just making an assumption of unfaithfulness or saying like, well, clearly that's wrong because I read in this book, if you love Jesus, you should do it this way. Well, like go into that curious, not judgmental, go into that asking about how and why something is the way it is. Right. And then humility from leaders, which is also really critical in this is to welcome the question, um, to actually see idealists in the church as a, as a gift from God, you know, needing to bring their idealism into reality a little bit at times. Um, but, but like embracing that and not becoming defensive, um, where like certainly, uh, you know, I could, that could be my own tendency there too. I think by the grace of God, I've seen some growth in that in my life, but where, um, where it's, I, you know, not automatically hearing uh, a comment from somebody and wanting to jump back at like, Hey, Maybe when you thought about this for more than five seconds, you would understand it's more complicated than that. You know, like yeah. it's, there's a way in that for as leaders of the church to bring people along into it. And I think Paul in Jerusalem there won over his brothers and sisters right. in Christ, these Jewish, thousands of Jewish Christians by making this public gesture um, and not doubling down and going like, I'm not like my whole 20 years has been a public gesture of faithfulness. I don't right. need to do this. Thing. Like, right. like, what are you talking about? I got to do this one other thing here. He could have done that. I think he had every, I think he had every basis to like hold the line yeah. there if he wanted to. Um, but he had a lot of humility and he loved the people there and it, the gospel wasn't on the line. Um, and so he did it. Yeah. So I think the humility piece on both, on both sides. So to this question specifically, like how can we be respectful of our elders while keeping them and all of us on the right path, man, ask questions Ask them with the assumption that they're that the elders are pursuing faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, gosh, it's, it's definitely like you know, don't say anything. Please say things, but right. maybe assume the best. Assume that elders are trying to love Jesus and pursue faithfulness in that. And the way that you ask your questions then and bring your concerns will just feel totally different if that's your if that's your posture. Yeah, yeah, that's a great that that's a great answer to that. Um, 
I, I wish we could see, we could learn more about that moment. You know, yeah. I imagine even that, you know, Paul could have done that differently and it could have gone really well too. Yeah. I think there's something, you know, maybe I'd like to imagine that he had, he was able to demonstrate so much humility because he almost was like a, you know, this is not scripture, right? But it's just like, I, I would be fascinated to see. It's like, yeah. did he just kind of have a smirk on his face? Like, sure. sure okay. Yeah. Like, because he's about <laughs> to say a whole bunch of things in Acts 22. Yeah. Right. It's not the end. Like, like you even said yesterday, there's five to 10 years of his ministry left. Yep. I think that he kind of just has this perspective on the long view, the things that kind of come around the turn, yeah. around the corner still that other people can't see, yeah. that maybe he was able to anticipate, um, that he was just able to like kind of, with some joy, yep. submit to this moment with some humility. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I had likened it maybe just to, I, I have nothing to, um, to, to add to what you said, only a different pers- another perspective too. Yeah. Um, kind of this idea of like inhibition versus prohibition, I, I think hmm. I've seen in my own life. Hmm. There's times um, where I think any one of us, and I see this in my life, where I can, I can, in trying to understand a, a person I'm working with or, or a message that I've received from someone else, I can wrestle with this thing I've come to see is like, an, like I perceive it as a prohibition. Someone's hmm. telling me I can't do something hmm. or huh. I'm, I'm perceiving what they're saying as that's, well, that's totally what they believe. Yeah. That's where this whole group is. They're all on the same page and I'm not. As opposed to like learning that oftentimes there's inhibitions that come. We bring hmm. our own, and I, I challenge, I challenge myself and I challenge others, like in our inhibitions sometimes is a self-preservation method where it's like you hear something that huh. the elders say or you huh. see something that the church is doing and it just kind of makes you uncomfortable. Maybe it's huh. uncomfortable because you're not quite sure you understand enough about that from scripture to know why they believe what they believe. Yeah. Um, or you've had some, you've had some hard experiences in your life that you're not, you have not wrestled through a whole bunch. And so you kind of self-preserve, not in a nefarious way, not mm-hmm. because you're not open to talking to someone, but like you kind of go inward with, with this inhibition mm-hmm. and you start to cast it on someone else as if they are actually prohibiting you from mm-hmm. asking a question or for having an idea. And so yeah. maybe just to add on to what you were saying, I said, I wasn't going to add anything. I guess this kind of is adding something. It's good. Maybe, maybe it's, it's just the, the challenge to be willing to ask a question a challenge to recognize that in that question is like this spirit of, of, of kindness and humility and seeking to understand hmm. and not, um, not just hold on to insecurity or fear or doubt um, when coming to talk to anyone like an elder. You yeah. know, it's like truly ask any question at any time. Um, we, and I'd say this, we sound biased saying this, like we value that. Yeah. Like we want to be people yeah. that are not just like, sure, held accountable, but also like eager yeah. to share why we do the things we do or say the things we say. And also I think we want to, we, I think we want to be for sure. And I think we are humble enough to go. Yeah. Because we also yeah. want to have greater perspective as we move forward in leading the church. Yeah. Um, We're sharpened by that too. Yes, we are. Absolutely. 100%. So yeah, that's good. Um, really good question. Yeah, really good question there. If we only had that one, we could keep going. We could keep going, but we don't. We got three questions. So moving on to number two. Um, This is a good one. Can you walk through examples in your own life and ministry where you have deferred in a way like Paul did? So we just talked about that. Paul deferred right, um, to to the the Jews there. Um, And the person said, I can really only imagine superficial examples, superficial examples, which may be missing the point. So maybe, is that true? Is it true that every moment of, 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 of deference is... 
is kind of like a pivotal moment in ministry, or is are there other superficial examples where deference is also just really meaningful? Yeah. Um, maybe I sh- I'm showing my cards with the question by suggesting that they sometimes superficial examples are okay. That can be the point too. Sure. Yep. Um, but Matt, I- examples from your life in ministry where this came up? Yeah. Well, I'm I'm trying to think of specifics. But I think of a context in which it happens, I feel like, fairly regularly is actually in our plurality of elders at Liberty Church. Yeah. Where, um, you know, um, so it's probably helpful for people to know at times if they come from certain backgrounds where there's not been plurality, multiple elders, and there's only been like one senior pastor that kind of it's like it's his church. Kind of whatever happens at the church, that's his call. Yeah. Um, some people have that background. And so that would be new to them to experience what we have at Liberty, which is a plurality. Um, I lose sometimes like <clears throat> in our, uh, <laughs> I'm not getting choked up. I'm coughing. It sounds like, it sounds like I'm, <laughs> I lose. It hits them pretty hard. It hits them really hard. Yeah. Um, but I like, so on, on matters of preference or the way we would do something at Liberty, you know, um, elders tend to also be because they love Jesus. They love people. They've read the Bible. We tend to be people of opinions. We tend to be people of convictions. Um, and to take currently five elders, people that have those different kind of perspectives and opinions and put them together. Um, you know, there's not automatic agreement and there's certainly not uniformity, which is actually healthy for the, not only the elders, but the body of Christ itself. And so uh, a microcosm of this deference playing out plays out almost every other week on, at a meeting when we're kind of talking through how we're going to do something mm. and coming in, we're not all coming in with like, I mean, I guess every now and then we come in and like, it feels pretty clear. Like this is the way we should all go. And we're all hundred percent there from moment <clears> one. <throat> uh, but there's plenty of times where, you know, preferentially one of us, two of us, three of us, whatever would rather it go one way. And we end up having to talk that out and in the moment. Um, and I think for me, then that's, that's, a, that's an important place of practicing deference with one another it's really good and important that that i you know quote unquote lose um mm. that it's not just my way right and my and that and that you or other elders at the church steve are just like yep well it's matt's call he's the pastor um it's like no we're we're all elders like everybody come on let's go let's figure this out um so that's a big picture one a couple examples came to mind for me in the past one it maybe it fits into more of that superficial example i remember uh in a previous ministry context um, there was a guy who like was really passionate about a men's ministry and a, and a specific name for the men's ministry that I thought was just like bad. Like I just <laughs> like, I was like, this is, this is silly. Like it doesn't make any sense. It lacks vision. It's, it's just kind of like, name. it was the name of the men's ministry. It was the name okay. and the overall kind of approach. Okay. All right. Some, some, some philosophy methodology to it as well. Yeah. Okay. And I like, this is more back in the day where I'm like the first year seminary student and just got fired up about a lot of stuff and was like, not particularly thrilled about the vision of this thing and sure. just wanted to really push on that. Um, and it came down to a moment of like, okay, well, here's a lay leader in our church who wants to do something. He's passionate about doing it. It's not anti-biblical. It's not against scripture. The gospel's not at stake. I just think it's kind of silly. I don't think it's a great vision. Uh, but there was a moment like that for me to go, <clears throat> let's just let's just go with it. Yeah. Um, I don't love it, uh, but my preference doesn't matter. And I this is a moment to let this person express their gifts and use it. And as long as I think they're open to ongoing feedback and being pushed in that in a, in a healthy way, like, let's just, let's just go, let's just give it a shot. So that was maybe a more, a more simple one. One that felt a little more substantial was, um, this is several years. This is, this is like a decade ago now. Um, 
But there was some miscommunication in a, uh, a, fin- a fundraising, a giving drive that we were doing. We were going to raise a bunch of funds. It might have been around Christmas Eve. I, I can't remember. The it was it, when you now. say ten years ago, and you're using the word "we." Was it Liberty? It was. Okay. It was the early days okay. of Liberty. Okay. Uh, early days of Liberty. I think it was a Christmas Eve fundraising drive. We, off, we often give like the Christmas Eve offering away to yep. some kind of ministry of mercy. And I'm pretty sure it was the first or second year of that. Uh, and the way that we phrased the ask in one place, if I'm remembering this right, sounded different from the way we phrased it in another. So on the one hand, it, it felt like to some people, it sounded like on the one way it sounded like, hey, we're going to raise this funds and, we're gonna, and, then, and then there's going to be a decision made of like how we're going to allocate it. Like here's one pot, we're going to allocate it to these three or four different partners. Mm-hmm. The other one said... <laughs> We, we like maybe highlighted more the one ministry partner. And so it sounded like most of the funds or a substantial amount of them were all going to, to this one ministry. So miscommunication in there. Um, and uh, we had intended the, the, the pool idea, like, Hey, give to a pool. We'll kind of divide it up pretty evenly between these different partnership. Yep. But there was a particular donor who heard the former that it was going mainly to this one partner. So when we came back, I don't know, several weeks later and announced, Hey, thanks so much. We raised this much money. Now we're going to be able to give this much to each of these partners. Uh, that person was understandably frustrated. Sure. Had, we'd miscommunicated there. Uh, and in a phone call after that announcement, uh, essentially accused me of being not being transparent and of actually, you know, like small scale, but like financial impropriety. Like, hey, you've raised these funds under. Hmm. under um, the guise of one. Yes. Yeah, okay. And like I wouldn't have given the way I gave if sure. I had known what you were talking about there. I gave with this intent. Got it. So, you know. Maybe that's obvious. I don't appreciate when someone like calls my integrity out in that moment or starts to kind of mention like, hey, maybe that's financial impropriety and it's certainly not transparent. So internally, viscerally, there's this like fighter mentality in me like, hey, you don't know how hard like I work to try to be have integrity and be faithful, especially in financial stuff. Like I have yeah. zero guile in that. Like I'm not trying to, to, to pull people along here. Um, and I, and maybe looking back at it, I would have been within my rights to hold the ground and say, hey, I understand we miscommunicated, but like, we are clearly here. We're, this is what we were doing. So yep. like, we're going to stay the course. But in that moment, and I don't think this was me. I think this was the spirit of God just giving me a, um, you know, an opportunity to see this with the right eyes. I was able to, to listen in that conversation. I was able to figure out where that miscommunication had happened. And then um, deference in that moment looked like actually going back and calling or emailing all of the different people who gave to that to that campaign and saying, hey, we recognize there was a miscommunication in this. We're sorry. What was your intent as you gave? Sure. And the vast majority said, honestly, I don't really care. Do do what you think is the best use of it, which was great. I guess it was like, okay, that's encouraging. Like we didn't, we weren't like really trying to pull sure, people, right. like the wool over people's eyes or do anything remotely like that. <clears throat> um, but we reached out to them. We were able to like honor the intent that this donor had with the gift that yep. they gave. Um, and then I think this was the most beautiful part of it. Then in, in the course of ongoing conversation about it, I actually ended up asking that person to, to help us shape some of the early days of how we did money at Liberty Church. How, how are we going to sure. set up transparency? How are we going to do this well? You obviously care about this. You obviously care about trans, like, and it, it ended up being a moment where I think the same way, like winning a, winning a brother or sister over, like Paul did to the Jerusalem Christians, you, you defer in a moment where you might want to just double down. Sure. You end up winning over the person that's on the other side of that. And then they end up like partnering with you to do that thing. Well, that you want to do well in the first place. Right. Um, so that's maybe a big example, a bigger example of, um, of how that all played out for. So I'm just, I'm thinking of like early in a church, 
you're you're such in need of volunteers. Yeah. For roles that you you, you orchestrated <laughs> this elaborate scheme to just get this person onto the finance team. It was all a fleece. Okay. It was all, <laughs> all I was all just laying out who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna I was baiting somebody. Who's gonna who's gonna question the integrity of this? Because they're gonna be on right. they're gonna be a leader. They're this is this is why it won't be good for me We're to be. We're looking for the, a treasurer. We're looking for a treasurer. It won't be good treasure. for me to be on the B side <laughs> podcast because I, I too often just think of the other the other side of these things. So, no, I, I, and that's truly, that's actually yeah. not, it's just me coming up with a, a silly joke in the moment, but that's, you're right. I think it's a good, and you're describing, I think in that example, um, where deference shows up inherent in the ministry of a church and yeah. in the ministry of leaders of a church and then the church community inherent is this like relational component sure. that requires and just gives maybe even a lot of opportunities for something like deference um, whereas maybe, so maybe, uh, let me just pivot here for a moment. Cause then we get to the third question, which I might take a little bit more time. So we just get to this one here. Yeah. A follow up. It, it seems as though Paul could have pulled like a doctrine card. He could sure. have been like, wait a second. I don't mind deferring yeah. relationally here, yep. but there's something that I want to say you're doing wrong. Sure. <laughs> right. Um, and so maybe a question, here's my question, sure. is an example, I think it might be, but you tell me if I'm right or wrong, is an example that we do here at Liberty, like our approach to baptism. Sure. Is right. maybe an example where right. we've just embraced deference and humility on something that other churches yep. would be would be not just willing, but like they they, they will yeah. pull the doctrine card and say wrong versus right. Yeah. And we're like, we're just going to defer on this matter. Yeah. Right. That's, a That's what came to mind for me. That's a great example. And I think does fit really well in that. There's still a like even like Paul does, he still cares about doctrine. Right. Uh, I think James, you know, at the Jerusalem Church anticipates the objection that would have come from Paul sure. if James didn't hit it first. Right. Right. <laughs> he hit it first, so it's like okay, we're still good. We're still in the realm of gospel. Yeah. Um, like if someone, for example, with baptism at Liberty were to say, hey, um, yeah, I'm I'm baptized, therefore salvation is guaranteed. You know, I was baptized as a baby. You know, uh, or salvation uh, or uh, baptism. Uh, washed away my sin nature. I don't right. have a sin nature anymore because I was, right. which is a Catholic perspective of yep. baptism. Right. Um, we would say, actually, no, we don't believe that. Sure. We don't. That's not within the. We still range. tie doctrine to all of these, to all of this. Doctrine yep. is still a yep. really critical matter. Truth. But that's yep. a great example of deference. We yep. say, hey, develop a conviction. We want you to have a conviction. Yeah. Just like, just like we want, you know, Jewish background, like Paul's like, Jewish background Christians have their conviction and Gentile background Christians have their conviction and we can live together in this. Right. Develop a conviction. Um, but make sure that you also have a perspective of like, of, um, unity and diversity on those topics that are not core to the gospel. Right. Yeah. Maybe, so maybe the encouragement to our community here. So that was, that was the example that was on my mind in our church. I don't know if I had a great example for this, this person asking of like where I personally, yeah, yeah. maybe there's some examples that come to mind and I maybe don't want to share them on a podcast. <laughs> it's like, cause these oftentimes these are relational components. Where I'm like, yeah, I just, you know, they're just so specific. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you came up with some good ones that were either a, a, a couple years in the past, yeah. you know, further away or general enough to share. Yeah. Cause I've got, a, I've got, I've got a couple, like maybe you have more than I. In all honesty, like I've got a couple painful ones. (laughs) Sure, where the deference cost a lot, yeah, or um, yeah, or like those some of those losses where like you you lose on your preference and it ends up like you know you have to like you have to pay a cost associated with it. You know, where maybe Paul did here too. So I think that's right. I think like the right venue in which to share some of those. Yeah. Um, is that's that's a that's a fair point. Yeah. So maybe my maybe my uh, my call to our people here at Liberty. 
to all of us really is in these moments, recognize the value of the humble spirit. Yeah. Even so, I'll go back to my example of, of baptism. There's something that's funny about what we do with baptism, sure, right? There's a, there's, there's a joke to make here or there about how we get along doing this, yeah. but we do, we really do get along doing it. I would encourage us like if, if we ever lose, if we ever lose the ability to be humble in that, yep. and if we ever have maybe our, our, our joke become like a, um, itself a guise to like a hard hearted perspective on this. If we're not loving each other, the other, the person who's a cross the hypothetical aisle, yeah. on this issue from us on the other side of the church. Like, let's just do that really well. Like, let's yeah. keep first thing central to us. Um, and if, you know, if it's one thing to say, like, oh, I can't believe you're baptizing your, your, baptizing your kid today or water on that kid. Like, let's also make sure, sure. that we have this humble spirit with each other. Because this these all these moments of deference, I don't want to say they only work, but they almost always only work yeah. if you actually are, are humble. Yeah. And the other person believes that you're for them yeah and that you love them and that you're this is actually something that you, like is not going to cut yeah uh, between you two yep um and so That's we good. as you know wouldn't that if we were to do that more and more as a church here at liberty to churches in our region to those around the world i think the, the gospel would be better received by a lot more people too well said let's move to our third question um we could spend two hours on this but we'll only take about 90 minutes yeah uh, just kidding. So, all right. So here, so this, this questioner quoted one of your lines from the, from the, the sermon. Awesome. This is, uh, there you go. <laughs> they were listening. They were listening. Uh-oh. There we go. So the, the quote was, do we, you asked, this was your question to us. Like, do you, do we really desire to know and follow God's will or do we just want what we want? Right. So there's a, there's a dichotomy there. So his, here's the question. I say, Hey, that's an excellent question. It's thought provoking. But when it comes to non-gospel issues, um, what career should I pursue? Should I stay single? Who should I marry? Where should I live? Right. In trying to know and follow God's will, it can almost be paralyzing in these non-gospel issues. No Is there any guidance you can offer on how we are to seek God's will in these types of situations? Great question. I think the best answer I could give, <clears throat> Steve, is it is what it is. Oh, boy. <laughs> This is like, uh, do we have that music where it's like we go to commercial break or like technical difficulty? We'll be right back. We'll be right back. <laughs> um, no, that's a great, yeah, that's such a great question. Um, couple thoughts on that. So there's there's actually some really good books written about that. Uh, Tim Challies actually on his blog, actually, he, he reviewed one of them, which yep. is by Kevin DeYoung called Just Do Something. Yep. And in that blog post itself, he references like four other books, you know, by J.I. Packer and others who have written about this, like how do I discern the will of God for these yeah. kinds of situations? Sure. I think what's really helpful about um, DeYoung's book is that it it's um, like some of those books are like massive, like 500 pages. Mm -hmm. DeYoung's book kind of takes it down to like be very accessible, but he parses <clears throat> out, you know, what is sometimes referred to as God's secret will, which is like just his, you know, his like what God's going to do and, and nothing can thwart, but we don't necessarily know exactly what that looks like. Right. God's revealed will, which is like he's revealed, you know, um, things that are sinful, things that are honoring to him. Yep. He's, re he's revealed ultimately that his will for us is our sanctification, our conformity to the image of Jesus. Like that is God's will for each and every one of us. Um, you know, that's that's an answer to the question. What's God's will for my life? Be sanctified. That's right. Uh, be like Christ. Um, and then there's like God's will for our lives, the will of direction, uh, which we are really just given you know, no promises that we're ever going to have clarity on God dropping it right in front of us to say, this is it. 
So I think what Paul gets in Acts is unique. Um, the Spirit speaking to him directly, go to Jerusalem. Yep. He gets a couple of these moments. He for gets sure. a few of those Angelic moments. visions, yep. And so so I think to, to count on that, that that be like a normative experience for every Christian's mm-hmm. life would be to set yourself up to be really disappointed and probably to try to grasp at straws where you're like just looking for that absolutely everywhere you can find it. You're trying to do the fleece thing like Gideon, you know, putting the fleece out, like testing God, like, okay, God, I'll go this way. If this happens, I'll go this way. If that happens. Um, yeah, Kevin DeYoung has a great like line in there about dating and like how one guy um, yeah, like a, like a, uh, you know, a young woman said to like a young man, like, Hey, I can't date you. The Holy spirit told me not to. And he kind of like tongue in cheek says like, uh, he's like, wow, you know, like this guy just didn't have to deal with like the, the normal complexity of relationship. Like the Holy spirit just blocked him from like this relationship. Sure. And, uh, you know, he's like, I didn't know the Holy spirit like took time off from pointing people to Jesus to like interfere with this guy's dating relationship. <laughs> That's right. right, right, <laughs> like, right. Is, I forget how he says it, but he has some great line in there about that. There was a, um, there was a coach that I, that I knew years ago in recruiting. So collegiate coach in recruiting, whenever he had, he was a wrestling coach. And so whenever he had a, a, a wrestling recruit, yeah. Say something like, God just hasn't made it clear that he, where he wants me to go. Yep. He would just, he'd say like, God told me last night you're supposed to wrestle for us. <laughs> just like, you know, just, just like, throw it out there. same just punch. Like, now what? Now that's what right. Do you that's do, right. Okay? Now what? <laughs> exactly. Well, that's, that, I mean, he sounds like he was doing that, you know, humorously. That's right. Like, he was. Kind of yeah, he was. There. But right. like on the flip side, people <clears throat> use that manipulatively no in crazy true. abusive ways over Very time true. where, you know, church leadership or Christian to Christian have yep. said, God told me this for you. And you're like, well, he didn't tell me that. And. So I, you know, I, I think in this, there's, 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 there's clearly in the revealed will of God, things that are sinful and damaging and things that are honoring mm. to God. Yep. Uh, the specifics of like, what job will you take? Uh, I guess maybe there's some jobs that you should not take because they're overtly sinful. Sure. Right. Yep. But the vast majority of vocations open to a person will not be the overtly sinful will be yeah. something that you can honor God in. Yep. So like, you're not going to have a specific word from God on here's the. Here's the, the way to, to go about that. Yeah. Um, you get in more to like vocational ministry and the whole aspect of calling in that. Mm-hmm. And it, and oftentimes, you know, the, the wisdom in that comes from both an internal sense of like, God just giving me a passion for this, this thing. Uh, and also externally affirmations from people outside. I see this in you. That's right. And I think though I, I've read maybe most about that in the terms of vocational ministry, some of that same stuff can apply to these other decisions where, sure. yep. okay, well, what does God put in your heart? What are the, what, what gifts do you have? What do you love? What do you get excited about? If yep. there's a vocation that lines up with that and you can, you've got the opportunity, which is, you know, here's a whole other category to bring into this. That's right. We live in a very like unique moment in the history of the world where like you can even wrestle with decisions like this. That's and, right. and the whole <laughs> idea even of like how expressive individualism has kind of seeped its way into our, into our normal mindset go back like several generations, even in, even in our country. Sure. And the whole idea of like fulfillment and work and satisfaction is like, not like people just didn't think in those categories. Like, what are you talking about? Like I have a roof over my head and I provide food for myself and my family. I'm satisfied. I'm fulfilled. Kevin Young in that, in that book. Yeah. Um, and you've read it. I know you've referenced uh, it. it? I've never read the whole thing. I just Um, like to quote things that I've partially read. (laughs) (laughs) Hey man, you do you. That's fine. Um, I mean, I only talk about the books I read, man. I don't know. Hey, it is what it is. (laughs) Oh gosh. Um, yeah, I, it's funny. You and I came independent of each other answering this question with a lot of, a lot of thoughts on that book. That book, that book, I've really enjoyed that book. Um, I would recommend people would even read that book. Like if you find yourself reading a book, the same book, like every one or two years, 
it's one of those books yeah. that's just worth reading one every two years, one or two years. Um, but he talks in that book about asking his grandfather, hmm. um, hey, when you were growing up, did huh. you have joy in your work? And like, it, it just wasn't even a question that his huh. grandfather could compute. Huh. Yeah. It wasn't a category yep. that he thought through. They enjoy the, I don't, I mean, sure, I, I, I had joy in it, but like, it was never more than that. It was a job to fulfill my duty to provide for my home, to put food on the table. Yep. And in some ways, the the issue, the questions we asked today are questions that people just did not ask. Now, that doesn't mean that they're bad questions to ask. Yep. Um, yeah. And the same thing's true. Like, so that's vocationally the same thing's true of who you marry. Like in yes. days gone by, well, like your pool of people that you might interact with in that season of your life that you're thinking about getting married. Yeah. It's just like, like, it's yeah. like, it's, it's just small. It's a small pool of people. It's what? Sorry, that noise, that sound was, was me, was me shrinking okay, down so a, yeah, giant, a giant wide. They can't see you do that. They just heard. <laughs> Thank you. That's helpful. Okay, right, yeah. I'm a video guy. Not a, video killed the radio star. There it is. Um, but it's like, it's like you have like a town or two yeah. or the school you went to or it's like, and so yeah, your, your, your church. Like your pool yeah. would be like, okay, well, here are the, you know, here's people of the opposite sex that are of the relative similar age to I am. That's right. Uh, what's biblical, sinful, okay, equally yoked. So there are people that are also following Christ. Yep. So the pool is then even a little bit smaller. Right. Here's my pool of people like in that, like maybe I'll pursue if anyone's interested, I'm interested sure. in them and we'll, we'll get married to one of them. Like that's yeah. just kind of how it happened now, man, the world is small. We can, we can, our, our pool is, you know, much larger than it used to be. And so the, par- the paralysis of like, gosh, well, if I say yes to this person, does that mean I'm like saying no to God's actual will for my life over here? And, you know, I, so I, I think the the paralysis that can come from that is is um, as this person's question mentioned, there is a lot of paralysis yeah, that can come it, from that. It could be great. So where yeah. DeYoung's book comes in, which I think is so wise, is go with what's God's revealed, go with what He has put in your heart in terms of gifts, passions, what's right in front of you. Um, apply the scrutiny of the revealed Word of God. Apply that criteria: what's sinful, what's got, what's glorifying to God. Get counsel from people who think the same way. Um, and then do something, yeah. you know, and then, and then trust also that you do not have the ability to thwart the plans of God. That's right. That you actually can't yeah. like that secret will of God. You can't. Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side podcast. For more resources, information about our church, visit www.harrisburg.org. That in my own life has been the the truth that has combated the paralysis of sure. like I cannot screw up the plan of God. Sure. God, you know I want to do something that honors you here. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I think this is where I should go. It's not sinful. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna trust that I'm not able to thwart your plans. And that even Paul says in Philippians three, like, and trust that like, you know, if in time that we need to know something that we don't know currently, God will reveal that also. Right. Like, let us live up to what we've already attained. That's yep. what he says there. Yep. And if, and if we need to know something else, God will reveal that also. Yeah. Yeah. That's well put. I didn't, um, I didn't have the book. I saw this question come in this morning. My book's at home. Mm. I was able to find a couple notes in my Google drive from when I had previously read this book or last read it. Yeah. Just a few notes. And, and, um, you know, he, he says in that book, we have plenty of information in this world, but not enough wisdom. And mm-hmm. so it's like, just that's like, good. there's so many, that's good. and that's, that's what creates a lot of paralysis at times is that there's so much information yeah. that the paralysis is in making a decision. And we want wisdom. You want wisdom to make decisions. Scripture is very clear about that in a number of different ways and areas. Um, oftentimes the worst decision that you can make is making no decision and you just sit there. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't share that as uh 
as the person who's never been in the field experiencing that. I share that as like a user going like, yep, yeah, I've been yeah. through that. Gosh, I have had so many times in my life where I've felt that similar paralysis and the worst decision is no decision. Yeah. And so it's like, good. read your Bible, listen to sound advice, pray. Yeah. Um, let, let that be the way that you're pursuing wisdom. Yeah. Um, and, and discover, discover God's will on the way. Yes. Like, I think that's the other part of Acts 21, just to kind of bring it full circle. You know, Paul goes, I know I'm supposed to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what exactly awaits me there. Yeah. Now I'm there. Now I see what's planned. But he, but he, he, he discovers that will of God on the road. Sure. Yeah. Not, not waiting like, <laughs> hey, well, now these people have said, don't go to Jerusalem. And that sounds like the Spirit's been prompting them to say that to me. You know, I think that's, there's a whole idea of just like, you know, like, um, whether it's vocationally or, 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 you know, stay single or get married or whatever, um, keep walking that road and discover the will of God as you keep going. Yes. Yeah, it's well put. That's good. Good. Well, those are our questions for this week. Yeah, great uh, questions. Really guys. good questions. Yep. Um, please keep them coming. Uh, each week, we love to get questions. It's always helpful if we get them sometime on a Sunday afternoon or evening. But we will always take t- take questions um, before the show. We usually air on mid midday on a Monday. That's yep. when we record it um, and then share it out after that. So, um, thanks for questions this week. Uh, Matt, thanks for the insight, for preaching yesterday, for bringing a lot of insight. It's certainly the person preaching each week, and that's most often you. Sure. Right? Sure. Um, we have other people that preach throughout the year as well. But um, but thanks for bringing a lot of additional insights today, for answering these questions. Um, to everyone listening online, uh, we hope that you continue to have a great start to your week or continuation of your week. And we will look forward to seeing you in gathered worship on Sunday um, and talking with you more in the future. Yes, indeed. Take care, everybody. Okay.